1: Well, hello and welcome to The 602 Club, coming at you from the desolate planet of Exegol. And I gotta say, this place could use a facelift, and I'm really excited to be here today as we are going to be diving into a a pretty substantial Star Wars book in Shadow of the Sith. And I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm really excited to welcome back with me is just, I, I mean, Star Wars literary expert extraordinaire, from beyond the films, Star Wars Beyond the Films there over on the Star Wars Report Network, the only, the one and only Mark Hurleman. Hey, it's good to be here. I had to loop around twice to find the place. <laughs> I know. It's so difficult to find, you know? I mean, and it's like, come on, just make more than one, two Wayfinders. That would be great, guys. Right? Come on.
0: I, I, got, I got to admit, that's probably one aspect of the story that I really enjoyed because when I watched that scene... In uh, The Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, why, why didn't you just fly around the cloud?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the fact that the cloud encompasses the planet, that was, yeah, because the way they, yeah, visually, yeah. anyway, but um, well, we're going to get to all of the stuff here as much as possible. I mean, this book is massive and uh, actually one of the biggest Star Wars books that has been released, uh, except for, I say, uh, Lesser Evil, which was massive, uh, which... Thank God it was. But anyway, uh, before we get into all of that, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love it if you'd do a few things. You know, whatever pod catching device that you were listening on, just hit subscribe so you'll get the shows as soon as they drop. Uh, Of course, you can also uh, follow us all over the place on social media. We've got Twitter at The 602 Club. We're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. You can find us on Facebook with the entire network, facebook.com slash trek of And of course we've got the website track.fm where you can find all of the shows that we are doing as well as, you know, if you like the show best way to help us continue to grow, you know, just share us with your friends, you know, word of mouth is great, especially even on social media too. Um, and you can give us star ratings and reviews on places like uh, Apple podcast or Spotify and those kind of things. And it helps more people find the show. So, um, Mark, uh, I figured, you know, this is such a massive book. So I figured what we would kind of do is break it down into our major characters uh, and then just basically their storylines and then kind of go into some of the the other connections that, that get made throughout the book. And thankfully, as we're talking about uh, some of these uh, characters, in all honesty, we're going to be talking about a lot of the connections that get made because this book... Just before we even get to the characters, you know, this book is one that is truly trying to find a way to bring the disparate elements of the sequel trilogy together from all three films, as well as all of the things that have been kind of slowly trickling out throughout the literature, whether it's comics or books or any of those type of things. And this is trying to find a way to make all of that make more sense which in all honesty um disappointing that that has to be the case but thankful that they're actually trying to do that at this point
0: that's always been kind of a catch-22 with storytelling and having the films and stuff coming out um you know what what can you pitch later that's going to you know bolster it up like me and nathan on beyond the films have always said the stover effect with uh the rise of the revenge of the sith the way that Mm -hmm. that just added depth to it that when you rewatch the film you really get a kick out of it i think to a degree when it comes to like ray's story i get a little bit of that from this because you know you you get to the setup for her but i feel like the time placement of this where it's 10 years before and after the last couple movies we saw it, it feels a little weird because like when we end off for some characters, like they're sitting in certain spots for 10 whole years, it feels like, I mean, granted they may go off and do other stuff, but I mean, for all we know right now, they're just sitting there for 10 years and it feels like what, a, what a way to just kind of toss that character off to the side and be like, well, that's where he's at now. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, we've always kind of had that to a degree of where we've had to go back in other mediums and had the opportunity to either retcon or flush out what they originally meant with certain things And this one had some cool stuff, man. Like, especially in the aspect of, of what it brings with the Sith, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you have, that's always been like a crux when it comes to certain friends of mine where they hated legends because, well, you know, Vader destroys Palpatine. He, you know, he was the chosen one. He destroyed the Sith. If anybody Sith wise shows up, well then his sacrifice meant nothing. And they hated legends because, you know, Palpatine came back and stuff. And now I'm like, in an, in an era where Canon brought Palpatine back and we're kind of seeing that to a whole new degree. And I'm just like, those friends are just still beside themselves with grief, but I'm like Mm -hmm. sitting here enjoying what we're getting yet. We're still having so many questions Mm -hmm. unanswered. Yeah. Like the whole, uh, Sith eternal and, and what it means to be an assassin of the Sith. And, you know, in the rule of two, where in the heck did all these Sith come from? Yep. And, are they Sith? I mean, can we really call them Sith? And if we are, doesn't that mean we should still be calling mm-hmm. Ahsoka a Jedi? Because I really don't feel like any of them are any more Sith than, you know, yeah. uh, Roganna Ismer was.
1: I think that, uh, you know, I think that's a great way to kind of start because obviously this book is called Shadow of the Sith. And and one of the big things that that this book specifically is trying to do is trying to work in all of the things that we kind of... I don't mean this in a in a mean way, but you just kind of got dumped on us in the final film where there's this Exegol planet. There's this basically the planet of the Sith, um, and that it's been hidden all this time, and there are all these cultists on it, and like it just opened Pandora's box really in so many ways, where there's so many questions and like you said, how does this all work with the rule of two and the, the the history that's kind of been alluded to, uh, you know, the, the Clone Wars has kind of alluded to, like a Darth Bane and, you know, like these other Sith um, that we knew from, you know, expansion and legends and everything, right? And they've kind of slowly been kind of working back in the history. And it does almost feel like you know this book kind of starts the process of expanding on Exegol and where all these people come from and and what this place actually is
2: but i i do feel like you know somewhere along the way something in star wars if if you ever really truly i think want the sequel
1: trilogy to make sense and 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 feel completely more cohesive with the 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 other films and everything else we've gotten you do need to explain this place specifically and the sith eternal and all of this stuff and work it back into everything else Uh, maybe that's what Mm -hmm. acolyte would do i don't know but like you know i think you're a hundred percent right in the sense that like yeah, we have all this stuff, and and it's it's like it's great that we get some answers in this book, which we totally do. But there are still like um, I mean, just planet-sized questions that we have. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, and and it goes back to the Force Awakens. I mean, you know, we see the First Order, and you know, we wonder that, and then we get aftermath, yep. which expresses that you know the 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 cream of the crop the First Order of the Empire is going to go outside the galaxy, regroup, rebuild, and come back, which we then see happen with Snoke uh, you know, in the lead. We never really find out where Snoke came from in the aspect of how they found him, how he rose to power in their group. We do know that he is a puppet of Palpatine later, but that doesn't answer any of that at all. Mm-hmm. Right, And that, I think, is one of the bigger things that I started with trying to figure out, but I've eventually had to just toss that out because it's like a smoke really didn't matter and so it's like well the building of power i i keep coming back to that it's sure. like what was palpatine's yep. plan yep. like why are you fracturing what you have and then rebuilding four different mm-hmm. ways from sunday that seems really odd mm-hmm. to me to have the first order over here and then to have the sith eternal over here and then to find out that he already had this fleet during all this time i'm like wow that's insane like that
1: yeah yeah why didn't you use that a long time ago yeah. bro <laughs> that is that is one thing that's really interesting is that you know uh we do get some behind the scenes on with you know with exegol and and all of those type of questions and the fact that you know the the sith eternal have been spending all this time you know creating this fleet which is uh something that that is Uh, taking them obviously a ton of time right uh you know Mm -hmm. to build this many ships one of the things this book i think does really well in that sense too is that it 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 lowers the number of ships that they've created um from the film where it's (laughs) like they've got hundreds of thousands of ships which is just insane it's not even possible there's just no way um you know the building teri- materials alone for that, that uh, it's not even possible on Exegol, you know, as, as a planet. Um, and so I I think that was nice. Um, but I think, again, you know, you, you just are raising so many great questions is that how does all of this really, you know, work together? And there's a lot of details to which we still don't have, even with this book, which again, mm-hmm. This is not a fault of this book at all. Right. So I don't want to hear anybody as we're talking about this and they just want to turn this off like, oh, they're just going to be trashing this book. No, there's I don't think there's anything that I would trash in this book. What we're talking about, mm-hmm. I think, is as we're beginning our conversation, there are still just so many questions that we do have as fans because they haven't legitimately been answered yet and and that we're always there. You know, I think you brought up really correctly you know even from the time the force awakens came out and i've been hitting this drum ever since that movie came out there Mm. is no there was no backstory there was no understanding of the history of the galaxy 30 years later we still and we Mm. still don't really get most of that we still don't really understand most of that and um you know obviously the mandalorian is starting to build that time period right But as to, you know, what our major characters are going through, how the New Republic is set up, all of that type of stuff, you know, there's a lot of questions in that. And so one thing I want to, let's jump to Luke Skywalker because, you know, he's Mm -hmm. obviously one of the main characters in this book along with Lando Calrissian. And probably I would say, you know, the biggest draw to this book of people wanting to see, okay, what's Luke up to, and right. one of the big things that we do get is that we tie together this idea that we tie together Battlefront Two, we tie together things that we've seen in the comics, we tie together uh, him creating his own temple, which you know we knew happened, but we also saw the beginning of that in the Mandalorian, and mm-hmm. the the role of Luke as the Jedi Master creating his temple, as well as the role of Luke continually searching and and looking for, uh, you know, artifacts and understanding of the Force to deepen his understanding of the Force. Um, and so that, you know, really seems like his his goal is to to do uh, this job that he's been given the best of his ability. And that brings in people like Lore Santeca and things like that. So, I was just really excited to be getting this book and really see, you know, that Luke Skywalker that we all fell in love with from Return of the Jedi, and then we all mm-hmm. fell in love with in Battlefront Two, continue here in Shadow of the Sith.
0: It had that early Legends Luke feel, like mm-hmm. right there with courtship of Princess Leia, you know, like, and I, I really enjoyed the the scenes when they were doing the excavation, like it. it, it felt like it was very indiana jones meets yeah the sith yeah. you know like i i thought that was a really cool aspect and the way the things tied together and the way the story moved along like that and luke being central to that and i think that you know like you said there's so much here it's like sitting down at thanksgiving dinner and it's like what do you want to you know start with because there was just so much going on in this book like you said it's a massive book and luke is definitely the draw and i think you know, when I got to the end of it, I, I wanted more of Ray's family, mm-hmm. but when I look back on it, yeah, Luke was, you know, their story was second. Whereas when I thought it was going to be more, they were going to be the center of the story. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'm digesting it all still. Like I literally just finished reading it before we started, uh, you know, this episode and I'm still like trying to put together things that as it was played out in the book, like, okay, that worked there, this worked there. I, but like think about Palpatine, right? This book's 10 years and yet Palpatine's already returned. Like it was slowly dropped Mm -hmm. out there and Luke's been having these, you know, sensations and stuff. And, And at the beginning, it's all kind of mystery. We don't really know. It's like we're presented these problems and we see some stuff and we can assume some things, but by the books end, like Luke comes to the conclusion, it was a different character that was causing him to feel that which It might have been, but I kind of feel like, you know, Palpatine probably is the more realistic cause of everything that's going on with Luke and and what little influence the dark side's putting in on him right now. Um, But as the book progresses, you know, you you watch him be the Luke that we love. Um, And yet at the end of this, I I was struck by the aspect that he still fails. Like and I feel like in a lot of ways it is kind of getting if you haven't watched the movies, it's getting you ready for some of what's going to come. Um, You know, we see Luke kind of conflicted and feeling a little more cut off from the force through events that have happened in the story, but he doesn't start out that way. He starts out way more secure in his abilities with the force and less secure in how am I going to, you know, raise the next generation, which is always a classic Luke in in general, whether it be Legends or the new canon.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, You know, I I do think it's interesting because you you do raise an interesting conundrum with this book that. You know there is a victory for Luke in the sense that he is able to defeat the shadow of the Sith here, and yet there is never a place where he's able to make the connection with you know Ray and her parents, which is the the side story that they're always running parallel with him and Lando, but they never are able to actually make the connection there. And so it does make a little bit more sense too that you get this idea that uh, you know Luke would have some inkling of Ray, you know, basically when she comes to him because of the the adventure that him and Lando have been on here. Um, but I, yeah, there's there's a real interesting aspect of this this character um, here where I, I mean, again, I just. Like you mentioned, the uh, the work that he do he is doing in almost Indiana Jones style with Laura Santeca and looking for uh, you know these artifacts and the uh, relics of the Jedi and the Sith um, that are helping him understand the Force, which I I find really fascinating, um, and also connects with something that we've been seeing you know in all of the new canon literature, artifacts being very important. Uh, And so I think that
2: was great. And, you know, Luke in and of himself in this
1: book, I think, is just really well written because, like you said, uh, he feels very much like the Luke that we are familiar with from the original series. And I think anybody who's familiar with Legends would recognize this Luke Skywalker. and. So I wanted to ask you a really
2: big question that comes from this book, because um, there is a character that is actually the
1: Shadow of the Sith in Kiza, uh, who was a, a member of the Acolytes of the Beyond, who was given a mask, much like the Monmon mask, but um, a Viceroy Exim Penchard, by yupe tashu that's right we're digging all the way back into the very first like uh aftermath series and she i actually for a moment wanted to go and grab the book and see what in the little side chapters was referenced yes (laughs) yes exactly and then she also has the lightsaber of darth noctis which we yeah, yeah which we uh had in the um sith legends book this Luke Skywalker is the same Luke Skywalker that we saw in Return of the Jedi, who is willing to do whatever it took to try and bring somebody back towards the light, the same way he did with his father. And he mm-hmm. almost dies in trying to bring Kiza back to the light. And she, you know, she does not spoil alert. Obviously, we're going to spoil this entire book because that's why we're here, just to talk about it but i loved that because it's the character that i know who who is willing to do whatever it takes and so when we talked earlier about there being this kind of still so much to explain there's mm-hmm. still a lot of luke skywalker you know we're i think this book is 17 years uh, after uh the events of return of the jedi so we still have about you know 13 years left um before we get to the events of uh the or maybe a little bit more than that cuz it's 30 so we've still got some time right, right? um <laughs> before we get to the force awakens and it's like this this Luke feels so consistent with what we know and yet feels inconsistent then with the Luke we see later and so I love that though in the sense that this is mm-hmm. the this is the Luke Skywalker that I love right and it's almost like uh
0: when you watch frodo leave shire you know mm-hmm. it's it's like that moment for luke it's like we're watching the luke we know leave we've got the setup that he's going to go on an adventure and he's going to end up the luke that we see later and we get the touchstones as to what could possibly be the main reasons and i hope we get more to flesh out what yes. kind of pushes luke because that is a fundamental change in luke um you know and and yeah and you're right with with kisa there was a character that I really enjoyed that aspect. And yet at the same time, it was kind of detached. Like I, I was trying to figure out where these characters, I wasn't sure if they were from air to the Jedi. Uh, I'm like, man, where did he run into Comat and all this? And, and and the acolytes of blonde beyond. I'm like, was that from aftermath? Like yeah. I couldn't quite place that. And I never really stopped to look it up. Cause I was just, I was plowing through this mm-hmm. book. Like I was really, I mean, that was the thing about it was like, it was adding new details each time, but with, uh, uh, Penchard, like I wish that character would have explained more about why he wanted to get to Exegol, why he didn't know about Exegol, or how to get there. Yeah. I mean, because he was a Sith, and so that kind of connection as to what the importance of Exegol is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've had so many planets and worlds that were the birthplace of the Sith or the homeworld of the Sith, and and you know, and then you find out, well, yeah, it was just one of many, um, and and then Exegol shows up, and Exegol definitely seems to be. You know, promises of big things because that was the main thing was like if I get there, I'll be reborn. And but we don't know how. Like I'm sitting there right. going, Why? Cause you know about cloning stuff and we know yeah. they're just cloning things there. Like that it didn't explain much to me. And the fact that Palpatine, you know, was already alive and, and is talking to Ochi, and I'm like, it, it, that part felt a lot like what we got in Rise of Skywalker. It's like, oh, oh yeah, he's back. Like, yeah. Come on, man, give me a little more on that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm dying to know these type of details.
1: Well, and I do think that, that you raising that is, is something that's really important because these connections, you know, I, I we have Giza and then Comat, who is the the woman who in the aftermath series that, you know, Luke helped free from the acolytes of the beyond and then ends up helping Luke and Lando in their search. Uh
2: and I think. That was one of the the weaknesses of the Aftermath series is that you
1: had too many stories that didn't really seem to connect well in the overall flow. And right. that really kind of hurt uh, the the connections. You know, it's like those books should have been books just all on their own instead of kind of like loosely uh, you know the uh, loosely connected vignettes you know and so yeah i was right there with you in the sense that you know when these things were happening with luke and these characters were coming in that he had this connection with like i had to look stuff up because i couldn't remember you know 10 years ago the book that had come out uh, or almost 10 mm-hmm. years ago now the book that had come out to help explain these things and so yeah and and i think one of the things that that by you saying that is that, yes, there is this fundamental change that's going to be happening with Luke. And the same way. And I liked you bringing up the idea with Frodo because Frodo is fundamentally different as a character. Like by the time he gets back to the Shire. In fact, he's never the same.
2: Right. Right. What
1: in the world would happen to Luke to have that happen? Like, you
2: know, I I don't even know how you create a I I just I don't even know how you create a Mordor experience
1: for Luke that would fundamentally change him in that way. Um Well, I, so. I think that they're gonna have to play up that loss of connection that he's feeling
0: there at the end. Because there are times throughout the story where Luke's like I know this is okay. Like, like when he knows that Ray is going to be safe and that Ochi will never find her. And yet Lando's like, don't tell me that Luke don't even do it. And yet Luke knows in his heart that that's literally the case, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking like maybe down the road as that closed offness, they don't really explain too much. It's like, he's like separated, but not separated. And so as that kind of builds up, I'd like to see him lose that kind of certainty. You know, and then start to question his connection with the force, and then his ability to judge things, and then yeah. have that lead towards yeah. that down the road. But you'd have to do that in a series of books. You couldn't do it just all in
1: yeah. one. Yeah. Well, and because that—that's that's so key yeah. to who Luke yeah. was. It's a great. It's a great point. No, it, you're a hundred percent right. And 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 I think that's kind of the thing that uh, I just I feel as though. The problem is is that we've kind of seen that story, though, before with the Clone Wars, right, where the Jedi don't really realize they're losing their connection with the Force in the way that it is happening. And so it just feels like an, uh, the a road that's already been traveled. So, you know, how they do that and when they do that, I don't know. But I think what's fascinating is
0: well, maybe that rhythm though is supposed to be because in a sense this is all palpatine doing right i mean right. and that, he did yeah. that with the jedi the first time and some people have made the argument that we only see palpatine show up after he knows luke is dead mm-hmm. sure so i mean maybe that's you know the the realization that you know luke is the jedi and the jedi have always been a thorn and mm-hmm. the way it worked the last time was i had to fog their vision it was the only way to come at him but but that's not really presented in the book that way that's that's yeah, kind of exactly.
2: stretching for that yeah <laughs> no you're i mean
1: again i think one of the things that we're just you know we obviously both you and i have just we're such big fans and so a, a book like this which answers some questions just ends up continuing to raise so mm-hmm. many more questions and and part of that is just there is this i would say um This just kind of disconnect with the way in which the sequel trilogy itself connects with the rest of Star Wars, you know, um, because there are all of these questions. Uh, And so, yeah, I, you know, I'm just glad that we got Luke and we got him here in this story in the way that we did, you know, and. It uh it was a real joy to be able to read him uh in this way. I think, you know, most of us were uh wanting this type of, of story with him and I'm so glad that we got it. And you know, regardless of all the questions that we kind of raised, like this story alone, I really I really just enjoyed being with him and, and reading him, you know, and what he's willing to do um to to not only try to find answers, but also to you know redeem characters that are almost in some ways you know one of them is unredeemable It, you know continues to choose only power and so
0: well i i enjoyed this lando luke buddy cop version much better than the legends version i mean we still got the chocolate milk reference there were references (laughs) up the wazoo man the errant venture was referenced i was all excited about that um Plagueis, Reven Revan was mentioned again. We had Noctis, uh Sangus, uh, Kekon, Vord, shot. I mean, there were so many names mm-hmm. thrown out at one point where I'm like, oh, this is cool. I-, I I really get a kick out of those kind of connections and stuff. But I really got depth out of Lando this time around. Um, you know, the the father aspect and the fact that you know you could tell that so much of his life had fallen apart, he'd lost his daughter. He wasn't with his wife. I don't even think they named they his wife not. in this book. <laughs> like, I was just like, man, like, and I almost wonder if that's not just uh, well, the author didn't know and the author didn't want to commit, but more of a, that's a sign of Lando's relationship that, you know, you lost the kid and she's done with you kind of thing. Like, there was a lot of emotions for me when it came to Lando's need to save Ray and the way that that tied in and the way that yeah. they, you know, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't heavy handed, but you definitely had the sense that losing uh Kadara was major for him. And to the point that, like I'd said earlier, you know, he's the character that sits at this planet. I mean, he does mention it. He's going to use it as a base to continue searching a section of space he hadn't. But for all intents and purposes, Lando's sitting on Pisan mm-hmm. for 10 years yeah. before we see him again. He's like, whoa,
1: dude. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think. There were. I real there were a lot of questions that came up with the the Lando story. Uh part of that had to do with exactly what you said, which is what in the world happened with his marriage? Um we still actually Mm. didn't
2: get an answer completely as like what happened with his daughter and you
1: know, why she was taken. Um, And I I kind of had hoped that we were going to get some more connections with that story in the sense of like I I wanted to know more of the details of that. Um, And maybe that's something they're planning on doing later. But, you know, uh, it was really I thought this is one of the best Landos that we've gotten in Mm -hmm. the new canon
2: because this. Adam Christopher really seemed to take. the character seriously that Lando is not just this playboy that
1: -hmm. that Lando has emotions and desires and you know um, that he had that go beyond you know gambling and and getting laid which I really really appreciate because the character is so much more than that and and I think that's one of the things that that storyline does actually add to him is it gives him more weight you know and did you just read the book or did you also listen to the audio i have not read i have not i have not gotten a chance to listen to the audiobook uh at all see i i i got it and
0: so i was doing both at the end and uh whoever was doing the audiobook nailed lando nice. and so what i really wanted to know from you is is when you were reading it did you get the same feeling of you were listening to uh you know billy d williams see talking like because the guy that did the narration, nailed it. Sounded like him and everything. That's fantastic. But the way it was wrote kind of had that Lando Calrissian feel with just the way that the dialogue was mm-hmm. presented.
1: No, I I agree with you. I felt like I could hear the voices of the characters, uh, Luke and Lando uh, specifically, which was great. It's what you always want from uh, you know one of these books that you would mm-hmm. capture the voice of the characters, which is. Is fantastic so no i think he really did and, and lando i think is a difficult one to capture because i think people always go over the top with lando and that's what i appreciate right. about here is that we don't go over the top with lando because that's not what it's about right. um you know i think everybody just again kind of wants to make him this sex crazed playboy and that's not All he is, you know, there's so Mm. much more to Lando as a character, especially by this point in time. And I think he really nailed it. The author gets that. And I think that's what made the story um, so heartbreaking for the character of Lando. And, you know, one of the things that we do is that they bring in a ton of references to the first Lando comic that we got. Um, which is actually pretty fantastic, you know, the fact that Lando uh you know had been on that Sith ship you know and seen all of these different types of relics he knew what Lor Santteca and Luke were talking about when we're talking about these type of things, and so I thought mm. that that was a a really great callback because in many ways that comic has really not been used often. Mm-hmm. uh as a reference point and we finally got that as a reference point and it fit very organically then in the story that we're telling here
0: yeah and and, and ironically uh animaxer or or uh, whatever his name was he was presented very much like the Lando calrissian that we all you know the sleazier mm-hmm. side but the way mm-hmm. he would talk yeah. there were times where i almost thought it was lando talking and then i was like oh wait no yeah because the, yep. the the way that the guy was doing it would just be a little more sleazy but you got that feeling like lando's more of a jack of all trades in this mm-hmm. i mean there's there's internal lando narration that's going on that you could just tell when it's a lando centric chapter because like he just like embellishes a little bit more and like they even have the the, the um Carissian Chronicles was yeah. was great that that came back up into play and, and the running gag of, you know, I was a general and his connection with Shiv and everybody else with Shriv uh, yep. from the, yep. uh, that was great the games. I thought that was cool. Yeah. There was a lot of connections like
1: that. That was fantastic. Again, just more connections that we see really utilized, And again, I I said in my review, this book is working overtime to bring things together from all of canon, and especially what we've been getting in new canon, so things start to connect and make more sense. And so I really, really appreciated that um, in this book, and I thought it was, you know, especially with Lando, that's something that's just really important, uh, because he has been been a part of a lot of this story and i think i think the one you know downside to it is that because of where the story takes place you kind of mentioned the idea of let luke fails but we don't really get the opportunity to have either of these characters be successful uh in their missions. Um, and that's right. kind of frustrating. I think it, it, as you're just reading the story, cause you know, you do know where everybody's going to end up and that, you know, there's not going to be a connection between Lando and Ray's parents or Luke and Ray's parents. Um, you know, they're, they're, he's not going to find his daughter or really get a clue as to where she is. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of those things, which are kind of like just, a little bit sad that we're not going to get movement on those stories which is is a place where it's like I would like to see some 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 movement um and mm-hmm. uh, you know I think all of us as fans would like to have um an understanding of of what happened You know, does he ever find his daughter? Is Jonna, you know, his daughter or is it just a coincidence? You know, I mean, those are all just things that are just left out there that, in all honesty, feel like they're rife for a book to tell us. So um, and, you know, I think that and that
0: book could actually explain why Luke wouldn't put Ray together too. you know, like right right now you're like, well, hey, you were on a mission. You had a little girl and Here's this little girl. But if you think about Lando being one of many kids that this mysterious first order, mm-hmm. this evil entity yeah. was taking, then that adventure in this story just becomes yeah. one of many kids in this time frame that just disappeared. Luke wouldn't make that connection, yeah. which would make sense.
1: Well, and I mean, gosh, you just raised a quick question uh, and, and not something to like get full discussion into. But it's like, OK, how does the first order fit into all of this with Palpatine's plans and everything like that doesn't make, you know, like. It seems to make very little sense as to how all that works when, you know, it, he's got the the whole planet of Sith that are, you know, so that's that's a whole other discussion. But I guess one of the things I'm I'm really interested in, too, for you is, you know, we finally Ochi of Bassoon has been a character that we've been seeing a ton of in the comics uh, especially the Darth Vader run uh and uh, what they're doing with um the uh Crimson War that's going on uh, mm-hmm. and everything here we get an understanding of exactly what's driving him to want to get to Exegol and what's driving him to to take the mission from the Sith Eternal to look for Ray in the first place, and how all of that connects, so that Ray ends up on Jakku in the first place, mm.
0: and that was so weird too, because like they started at Jakku and then they go back to Jakku. That's us everybody go back to Jakku.
1: <laughs> That's a good question.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I did wish though that Exacol was explained more. I mean, that to me, like you know yeah they gave us why ochi wanted to go but i i really felt like there needed to be more prominence to Mm -hmm. the planet and why you know i mean we we know about the ships and outside of that you know i feel like there's a a force side threat that was just never really presented in a way that it should have been um you know like especially when you think about you know uh Exim's character wanting to get back to be reborn Mm -hmm. so you know there's something at play here we know Palpatine was reborn there we just there's a lot of those type of details that I still want to know more about
1: no I think you're absolutely right because I I think one of the things that happens there in the story with with Ochi you know his desire to go back to Exegol is he believes it's this place where he can be fully reborn that he will get you know basically his full body back so Right, you know, he won't have these cybernetic enhancements with the eyes, and uh, you know, uh, the lobo-like thing around the back of his head. You know, he that he can be fully remade, and mm-hmm. which is obviously something that does kind of connect with to what Palpatine and the Sith Eternal have been trying to do for Palpatine, for the most part this whole time and but where did this idea come from and and i think you're absolutely right like again it just raises more questions about exegol and what it is and how it all works and with the sith and everything else how does this all fit together and right because i I see more of a
0: science connection than a force one. you know i mean it's like clearly everybody wants to go back to this place to be reborn in a clone body and I, it was around one uh, page 175 where uh, Anna Maxer is talking to, and he's scanning Dathan and the family. And that's when he notices and he mentions the Maker's Mark. Uh, and they throw out the Calm logo protein and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, Calm, like that's Dorsky 81 from Legends. Like little tiny things like that. Like I definitely got a feel that Adam was doing a Luciano uh, where he was just tossing in all these little stuff. I mean, so much stuff that I was like, I I stopped trying to find out what it was being referenced to because I was like, this is just yeah. slowing me down. <laughs> yeah, no. But it was I it's just flying. I'm right there book. with
1: you. Uh, I mean, there's just so much stuff, and again, I think you know, a book like this it answers some questions, but it also illuminates just how many questions still remain. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: Like the scene when Luke goes to Tython and he has the vision Mm -hmm. where he's transported to Exegol. I thought that was awesome. But when all these like Sith race show up and they've got these black lightsabers and they're trying to attack him. I'm like, I'm sitting here going like, you know, where do these guys Mm -hmm. fit into the, the Sith hierarchy? Are they like inquisitors? Are these guys just ghosts in the forest? Do they not actually exist? Are these real blades? Like there was so much going on that I wanted to know more about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, like you said, maybe we'll get that later. Maybe there'll be more tie in stuff with Tython and Exegol and, and, you know, stuff in the past. I know with uh, the High Republic, we're going farther in the past for similar type of reasons to kind of blow things up in that regard. But there was so much going on when it came to the side of the force, like even the dagger, like the dagger wanting right. to, you know, uh, pull the blood in and the, the saber of Noctis is the way it would uh, take and kill the souls mm-hmm. would be pulled into that mask. Like I thought, that was a cool way that they were going about it, and everyone was added to the mm-hmm. mask. And the way that that played out for uh, Keese's character was really yeah. sad. Like when Luke realized she was gone. Yep. But there were also the aspect of that character, the Sith himself. Like Luke's dismissing the character. You know, it's just it's the Force, it's the dark side, and he's the relic of an ancient power. But I'm starting to believe that less and less. Like I, I'm truly feeling like these Sith are are possessing these things with their spirits completely because i mean he takes over her dead body at the Mm -hmm. end has these droids replace her arm and stuff like that was a sinister moment and i'm like so i mean you know luke failed but i guess luke also did win because Mm -hmm. he did stop this one sith from rising up um but man when that moment happened i'm like holy crap what's going on and and the way that the kyber crystal played into tying the element of the uh the archaea the digging down the indiana jones aspect um exegol itself because the the main crystal originated from exegol so they were trying to take those shards and find their way basically going to use the kyber crystal as a wayfinder, and i'm like that's kind of cool and for the first time exegol felt more like the ma installation at the center of, you know, the the, the mm. black yep. holes yep. that you could only get to a certain way. So I appreciated that a lot more than I did when I saw it, you know, in the films, right. because it was just like a red cloud. Yeah. And, and I'm like, why <laughs> didn't she just fly around yeah. that cloud? That makes no sense. But that at least was presented in a way and explained in a way that it made a lot more yeah, sense. I mean, it felt more like Kessel
1: in some ways like that there's only yeah. one way in or out and it's so complex it's not even like kessel where you can make it through um so yeah no i think that's you know again so many questions um what
0: i haven't heard is anybody complaining about the malman thing because like i that felt like you know we just did this right. and it's a cool you know it's a character that went into a and that's the same thing with Moman if, if any of the listeners haven't read the darth vader comics when he's building his uh castle on mustafar he's uh using it to try to get and break the the barrier between death, so he can get to mm-hmm. padme and Moman has all these abilities and and was able to have done it and so he's using the mask and possessing different stormtroopers and officers and stuff and building it and building and it, building it and momen's trying to get back to life basically and that's a hundred percent the same thing yeah. is going on with pasham's character yeah. or Pashard's character
1: which um, is
0: did you feel like that was reused too soon yeah. or okay you
1: know i I think uh with that whole section i mean i I liked that it obviously connected to something that we had seen before, but I think you know the monument thing it was I think
2: it's neat. But I also do worry about just this. All of these ideas is that we're 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 creating the ability for Sith to live forever, and you know what I
1: do appreciate is that basically this all still connects to the idea that Sith only want to live physically forever. They don't care about, like, living spiritually forever or being one with the Force. It It is – so I think – Yeah, all about the exactly. power. Exactly. So I think that connects well enough and it works. Um, I do think you have to be very careful to not overuse the idea. Otherwise, it just feels like right. too much. Um, and so right. –
0: there definitely feels like there's an aspect of an essence transfer that needs to be involved in that being like a protected mm-hmm. secret. Cause I, I would, you know, if I was a Sith Lord and I knew that trick, I sure wouldn't be telling anyone
1: else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot here and there's a lot of interesting ideas. And, and I, and I think that's one of the things that again, there's, that's part of, what happened, I think, just in general, with the sequel trilogy is that there are some really interesting ideas and and making sure everything feels connected and natural into mm-hmm. the ideas of everything else that has come throughout Star Wars is really important and so but there's still keep saying it there's just still so many questions and and part of that you know we got. Ray and her parents' story. So we definitely got Dathan's story about you know how he's this um, clone uh, of of Palpatine. You know uh, he's the uh, Strandcast clone, so connects with you know other things that we've seen in in Star Wars and those ideas. But he has no Force abilities, uh, you know. And he you know he he finds a way off of Exegol. And is able to, you know, find somebody to end up married with. And she knows who he is. She knows that they need to be on the run. And, you know, obviously, they're trying to
2: protect Rey. And it's very, you know, original series. Star Wars,
1: we're going to hide Luke on the last place you think people would look. Which is the planet that why would anybody be here you know again you know and so you know i i thought all of that worked relatively well i thought you know the the hard thing for for christopher in this book is that he is
2: tied to the scenes the quick scenes that you see in the rise of skywalker which It's not always the most organic I think actually storytelling wise for him to have to
1: have them steal Ochi ship so that, you know, a lot of that stuff it's like, oh, I don't know if that's, you know, um all but Yeah, that was he works that was the, the ag- thing that done yeah. them in though. <laughs> but he works overtime to make all of that work. And so, uh, you know, again, it was just finally nice to get some of those answers
0: right i i really appreciated getting to see the scene between father and son when anakin's force ghost came to luke mm-hmm. um you know that was I, i'm honestly surprised that no one hasn't done that sooner yeah like, <laughs> uh and, and kind of like what happened with heir to the uh empire with ben kenobi's ghost though we kind of see him possibly not coming back like it looked like there was some interference there for anakin at the end mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's something that's going to be a permanent thing, or if we'll ever mm-hmm. even see him come back. Um, but I thought that was kind of a cool little touch. It was cool to see the Corporate Sector Authority, um, you know, and, and that section of space being mentioned yep. and talked about. Um, that was always something I always love those Han Solo books and stuff. So like, you know, just that yeah. little and, touch and Rick there, Pride being there. Felt- so Yes, which oh, dude. Kind of a yes. Random no, I'm reference, glad you brought him uh, up
1: that um you're like, OK, I'm not sure exactly how this will connect, like from him being somebody who served Palpatine. But anyway, all right. Right. Well, and then it, it was like he
0: had like what, two chapters and then the second one. He's like, eventually I'm going to lead everything. And they're like, oh, that's slick. OK, cool. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, just as just like I thought he would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I like the way that that played out um Comat's planet kind of reminded me of the nagri uh from legends and how you mm-hmm. know at the end of one of the battles a ship crashed on the planet made the planet basically toxic for everybody they can't go there but that was kind of a cool play in um miramir she didn't get a lot of perspective you know like everything we really got from her was from dathan's perspective but she was smart yeah um super smart you know she was able to to you know, hack ships and everything. But like you said, like, like when they stole Ochi's ship, like they had a good plan, mm-hmm. but they didn't think about the fact that somebody might be tracking yeah. Ochi. <laughs> yep. And that like that, I mean, cause I was like, when we got to their fate at the end, cause at the beginning of the book, I was like, I wonder if we're going to see their fate, you know, like, like, wow, like this could be really sad. And and when we got there, boy, that did not, did not leave me unimpressed. I was really Choked yeah. up on that because, like the whole Jacu scene when they go there, you know, you you'd seen that moment. In the films where she's you know being pulled Mm -hmm. by Plunt, and you're like, she's screaming at the ship going, you know. So you knew it was gonna be emotional, and they did it to you twice. Like the kid cried twice. I'm like, Oh man, this is rough. And you know, parents that have to leave their kids for the first time are going to relate to that scene. That was a brutal scene, knowing and and they went into Dathan's point of view. You know, he's like, I have to let Miriam and do it, I can't do it. I'm a coward, and he's sitting there berating himself, and I'm just like Dude, that is totally like you know now nah, you don't take the kid i'm getting cynical don't leave her man don't leave her but she'd have, she'd have been captured they overlooked that one little thing about the fact that Ochi could be tracked and that i mean they would have got away with it had it not been for that yep. and they found him so quick and i mean it just all turned on a dime and there were moments like that like even when luke was fighting you know uh Kiza and he realized you know what was going on with her like when kiza at quote died before the sith took her over and then again it was like man these things like i was like oh god are these snakes gonna take this out is this gonna happen real quick and then it didn't it happened quick in a different route and i'm just like wow talk about taking all the way up to the end. because i'm looking at this book thinking it's almost over and i've got like 400 pages you know or 200 pages 100 pages and i'm like how is this gonna end and then we're getting to the end and i'm like i've only got
1: like six pages left yeah it it i mean the whole, I mean, with Ray, her parents, and and there are just like so many little connections that end up happening, and I, I think we are due for more books to help tie all this together. And you know, I I hope that they will give it to us because you know this book helped answer a few questions, but I would say we still have four hundred thousand more you know, that, that we would Mm. like to see answered. And, you know, this book does a great job of, of starting that process of, to make things more cohesive. Uh, and yet there's still so much more to kind of like knit together. So
0: hyperspace tracking is, is, is a, Key prime example yeah. of that. Yeah. You know, we we get some basic physics of it. It's around page 324. Or so Lando, they're Luke, uh, they're talking about the hyperspace tracking. Uh, he goes, if you have the right data and if you know Exactly what you're looking for, including the ionization rate and the cycle frequency of the ship's hyperdrive motivator. You could theoretically filter the hyperwave data collected by the beacons and match it to the signature of the ship. And then looks like, well, yeah, except for the networks, you know, falling apart. And I'm sitting here thinking, but 10 years later, they're still doing it. So like mm-hmm. that. Yep. were they doing it a different way or... exactly so it yeah it, that gap of 10 years like if it wasn't a 10-year gap if it was like like maybe like six months some of those things would have worked mm-hmm. but it wouldn't work with Ray's yeah. age so it's kind of like uh there's a, a juggle there as to where are we gonna put this which is probably one of my only nitpicks when it comes to story group in general it's like a lot of times they don't want to dial in a story and mm-hmm. these kind of things are the results <laughs> you're like but why would they sit on
1: that for 10 years yeah. and
0: have that ability and not use it?
1: Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and I mean, I, again, it's one of the things I think, um, anytime that you are going to add to a massive story like this, you, you do have to think about the implications for everything. And that's, that's one of the difficulties I think. Right. I mean, it just really is. It is mm-hmm. definitely one of the difficulties of this, this story. Um, and you know the the sequel trilogy in general um it's it, it it just creates a lot of questions um and this helps answer some of those but there's still so many more and i'm i'm really interested like where you ended up landing mark for your ratings for the book
2: mm,
0: that you know i i'm i'm gonna say it's a solid seven i mean you know that it it drew me in and for a long book it didn't feel as long as it was um every time it felt long it was in the opposite of a bad way like it felt long and i wanted to get all my answers (laughs) like it was a not a bad problem to have um i really enjoyed getting to see luke and lando doing their thing uh it reminded me that legends book where they went in that one ship and and did all the really crazy adventures but you know that there was there was some moments there where i was realizing the differences in the relationship of those characters from their legends counterparts because there was some things that lando was still like not quite willing to accept that luke could do and i'm like dude lando and legends would have totally been like yeah dude i you do anything man uh so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see that there are still some limitations to their friendships that you know like luke's been busy and i think that that is something that we see in their relationship Mm -hmm. because they're not as close as we thought they would be um the the dark side element and the threat of the sith and stuff from you know kiza and this and the viceroy i thought that worked really well palpatine was a little lacking it was cool to see him show up i mean we didn't see him we heard him basically i mean ochi is the only one that confirmed it was palpatine as far as we really know, it could have been anybody yeah. else, but <laughs> Ochi said his Palpatine and what got excited. So we had to get excited, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a handoff there. I mean, it's, it's like the Yoda mystery, you know, it's like, how much of the mystery do you want to reveal before you've gone too far? So I, I feel like Adam did a good job of giving me enough, keeping me questioning. And, and I kinda, I have to wonder how much of that was, you know, his actual decision to write Mm -hmm. those elements into the story or if it was some of the things like can you address these things in some form along the way and this is kind of what we'd like you to kind of lead the reader to believe um because i do kind of feel like that might have also been at work
1: yeah i agree with you no i'm actually uh, quite similar. I think I would probably, if I was doing out of ten, I'd give my uh, that same rating, uh, seven out of ten. I think this is a a really well written book. You know, I think any faults in it, I think, don't have anything to do with the author. I think they have to do with, and we mentioned it a thousand times. There's just so many questions they can't all be answered in one book, and even by answering one question, you kind of raise five more. And so you're just in some ways somewhat compounding that issue. But I think this was a, a fun book. It's a great Star Wars book. You know, it again, just being there with Luke and Lando in this story in this time period was fantastic. And so I, I'm just really glad that we got it. And I hope that they will continue to go down this road where we stop being afraid to answer questions. Um, and that we actually start to answer some questions uh and allow things to make more sense. But Mark, if uh, you know, anybody wanted to, you know, catch up with you and see what uh, else you've got going on, check out your other podcasts and everything, where would people find you?
0: Oh, well, you can find me on Star Wars Beyond the Films. I'm over there doing things with Jim Lahane. Uh you might know him from Talking Tauntauns. I'm also playing around on TikTok. That's become my new uh Little secret passion, geeky passion, embarrassed passion. I don't know. My son, my son gives me a hard time, and I just have a fun time uh, making fun content on the thing. It's all stupid little Lego
1: Star Wars nice. and Scout stuff, but
0: <laughs> yeah. Doing it one thing at a time, man. You know how it goes. <laughs> well, uh, you
1: can also find me all over the place, of course, uh, social media-wise, Rushing 2 and uh, then, of course, here on the network, outside the 602 Club, got the uh, Literary tracks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, Warp 5 about Star Trek Enterprise, the Orb about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Saddle Up about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and then, of course, the Artificial Tango about a Star Trek Picard Over on the Nerd Party Network, a completed show I did with Dre Kaufman as we talk about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time on Owl Post. And then last but not least, aggressive negotiations with John Mills. It is a Star Wars podcast. And of course, we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you so much for joining us and may the Force be with you.